You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. I am going to read the word of God before Caleb comes up and brings a message. So it's nice to see you guys as always. Okay. Um, Keep in mind that this is um, after Jesus was resurrected, raised from the dead, okay? Um, where, this doesn't have, thank you. Acts 1, verse 4 to 9, thank you. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. That is the word of God. Thank you. How many of you guys can recall... Heading out of the house for a sleepover or a camp or, thank you, John, anywhere, and your parents saying, hey, did you, did you get this? Did you get that? Do you have this? Anybody remember that? I know, I know pretty much any time my kids go for a sleepover, Telsey, before they leave the house, she's like, do you have your toothbrush? Did you get your pillow? Did you get this? Right? And there's all of this, make sure you don't leave the house without kind of moment. You guys know what I'm talking about? This is, this is Jesus, don't leave home without it, statement to the church that Telsey just read to us. Uh, Jesus is there with his disciples, right? And what does he say to them? He says, don't, it starts, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for what? The gift, that's it, right? Waiting for the gift that the Father wanted to give. And so today, we're carrying on in this theme. We've been talking a lot about learning to pray together. Kelly referenced learning to eat together as well. We've been camping for some weeks on learn to pray together. And we're still in that vein here today. And what I want us to see as we look into the scripture that Telsey just read to us is I want us to look at waiting, embodiment, and I'm going to, this one's longer, but Missional impulse and intercession. You could just say mission, but anyway, you'll see when we get there. But first of all, I want us just to catch this thing about waiting. Remember, we just read it. Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. And he follows it up saying, which you have heard me speak about. What gift was promised by the father that Jesus had spoken about? The Holy Spirit, you guys reading your Bibles or listening to the last message from two weeks ago. Last message I preached here two weeks ago. We saw this in Luke 11. 
two weeks ago, that, that Jesus makes the statement at the end of this teaching on teaching his disciples how to pray. He says, if you, then being evil, isn't Jesus nice to us? He's like, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? There is this sense that we get from what Jesus is saying is that it is the Father's desire to give the good gift of the Holy Spirit to his kids, to those who asked. It's interesting, in Matthew, the same story, it says, you know, your Father in heaven will give good gifts to those who ask. But Luke says, give the Holy Spirit. The best gift that God can give to us is the Holy Spirit. There's no better gift that he has for you than himself, than his spirit. And he longs to give it to us, right? So he gives it to who? Those who ask. Those of you who were with us Sunday night last week, maybe you heard this or remember it. You did hear it if you were here, but I don't know if you remember it. But I was reading some commentary on this stirring, this outpouring, revival, whatever you want to call it, that's been happening at Asbury College. And if you haven't heard about it, I'm not going to spend time explaining it. It's just that for weeks on end, a group of people didn't stop worshiping, singing like we just were, and praying. It went on 24-7 for weeks on end just recently. They, these students in their 20s didn't want to leave the room. There's the, there's the explanation, okay? Well, one more explanation, actually. People were experiencing an awareness of God's presence in a very significant way in that space. That's why they didn't want to leave. And there was an old man who had been part of a really profound move of God in Scotland in the Hebrides years ago. He's still alive, and he was asked to comment on what's happening at Asbury. And this is what he said. Only comment he made. He comes where he's wanted. Period. He comes where he's wanted. So he says he wants to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Ask how? How are we supposed to ask? How are we supposed to ask? Or is it just like a, you know, please, Father, would you give me the Holy Spirit? Is it like ordering a pizza and then you just sit down and wait and watch the clock and make sure it gets there in 30 minutes? Is it just this patient posture? Or might it be like the story that Jesus told right before he explained that he wants to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? We talked about that story two weeks ago, and it's a story of a man at midnight going to his friend's door, knocking on the door, saying, hey, I need some of your bread because I've got a guest who just arrived at my house, right? Now it's midnight, and the friend is in bed, and do you think that the guy goes to the door and goes, and then just waits and sees what happens? I don't think so. The knock is like... Hey, you got some bread? You know, like, it's like, I'm going to wake him up. I'm going to knock loud. I'm going to keep knocking until he gets out of bed and he comes to the door. It is this loud knock. 
this aggressive knock. And I, I, I get, guys, we could talk. There's a place for just sit and wait and receive and, and, and that posture. But when Jesus is teaching about praying for the Holy Spirit, he actually calls us to this type of prayer that's persistent, is how the New King James describes that guy knocking at the door. And what we read from the NIV two weeks ago said, not because of friendship, Will the man get up and give him bread? But because of the shameless audacity, he will get up. This kind of knocking is shameless, audacious, persistent, bold, loud, right? This waiting, don't leave Jerusalem, wait. Looks like that. It's an active waiting. And we can come into this place of praying for the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon us and given given to us with boldness and confidence. Do you want to know why? Because we know it's his will. Jesus says, wait for that gift that the Father has promised, which I've talked to you about. I told you about this. I've explained to you that it is his will, his desire to give you the Holy Spirit. And 1 John talks about how we can pray and come before God with confidence when we are praying according to his will. And there's this knowledge we get from being in the scriptures that we are praying according to his will. We're listening to what Jesus has said, and he said, ask for the Holy Spirit, right? And so here we get this story where he says, wait, the next two stories in the book of Acts, they're praying. The very next story says they came together and they were constantly praying. The story after that says they were together in one accord, praying. And that's the story of Pentecost, Acts 2, where the Holy Spirit is poured out on God's people. And they're changed. Peter gets up and he's like a different man with this new boldness and he starts to preach. And then all throughout the book of Acts, you're going to see story after story. We talked about this a few weeks ago where they're praying. And when they're praying, the Spirit is moving. And there's this sense in which they're praying because the Spirit's moving, but they're also seeing the Spirit move in response to their prayers. You can see the priority of prayer throughout the book of Acts. And there's this interesting thing. It's almost, you could say it's synonymous. Being filled with the Spirit and being a person of prayer are virtually the same thing. Are you with me? And a few nods in the room. Being filled with the Spirit and being a person of prayer are virtually the same thing. You'll, we'll see. We'll keep going here. But, but what I want to say this is that the discipline of prayer, when you prioritize it, which you see the church doing in the book of Acts, it does something interesting does something really interesting. I would say this, the discipline of prayer produces people of prayer. The discipline of prayer, it's sort of like, <clears throat> how many of you have ever been in a, in a workout routine or, or eaten healthy for a period of time? Anybody, you know? And, and you guys have heard me use this illustration lots, but there's something that happens when you do that, that, that you actually like start to spontaneously want to eat healthy. It's not like this pulling teeth thing. You actually get an appetite for it. 
I was talking to somebody about this regarding prayer recently, and I said, yeah, when I got into, like, exercising regularly, I found myself, then I'd just be driving in my truck, like, flexing my abs. I'd be like, I'm just like, I'm like trying to, like, trying to keep working out at all these different moments. There's just this spontaneity that comes from the discipline. And I have found the same thing with prayer, that when you prioritize prayer and you get into the discipline of it, you make time and space for it. Guys, it takes time and space. You don't develop a prayer life just in a rush. It doesn't work like the drive through It doesn't work like Instagram Reels. It, it is like something you actually have to, to, to settle into. And when you do, though, what then starts to happen is that thing that we talk about wanting. I want just an organic relationship with the Lord where I just talk to him all day long. Guess what? It starts to happen. Because you, you learn this place of prayer through some discipline, through some prioritization, and then it starts to actually happen spontaneously during your day. You're like, oh, I want to go back into that place. There's a, there's a hunger that stirs. And there's this thing that happens that as we ask, as we pray, he wants to give you what's promised. What's promised? The Holy Spirit. Why does the Father want to give us the Holy Spirit so badly? I forgot to ask for volunteers. I need volunteers. I need at least one person to come up and help me write here. Okay? Somebody? Somebody want to come write for me? Charlotte's all over it. Thank you, Charlotte. You guys are so eager this morning. Man, I fight them off. That's perfect, actually. Right-handed is perfect with just one person up here. So here we go. What does the Holy Spirit do? I ask you the question, why does God want to give us the Holy Spirit so badly? Second follow-up question to that is, what does the Holy Spirit do? Now is your turn to interact, and I want you to think about things you've read in the Bible that says the Holy Spirit does, so empower. Hey, we only got one volunteer up here today, not two, okay? So, sorry, what, teaches? Enables to serve, comfort. Self-control, direction, guidance, there we go, convicts of sins, yeah, counselor, look at her, let's see how fast we can, no, the, uh, sorry, what was that, Al? Helps us to commune with God, there you go, that works, commune, reminds us of things, Carolyn, gifts of the Spirit and fruit of the Spirit, Sorry, peace giver. The paraclete, Greek word for comes alongside and encourages and helps. Good job, Bible student Kelly. Signs and wonders, heals. Advocate, man. He's the seal, seal of promise. Right. Wow. There's the summary right there. Makes us more like Jesus. Freedom bringer. Anoints. All right, all right. We're going to wrap it up here. I love when I ask these questions. You guys can just keep on going. It's wonderful. Thank you, Charlotte. Can we get a round of applause for our warp speed writer here?
Very good job. <clears throat> this, exactly. This is why he's eager to give us the Holy Spirit, okay? And I, I want to highlight something. I was actually going to say this, but, but Tim beat me to it. All of this is this. Makes us more like Jesus, okay? Lots more we could say. We could pull out a scripture. This is ultimately what the Holy Spirit's doing in us. Through all of this, he's making us more like Jesus. That's why the Father is eager and keen to give us the Holy Spirit. See, because God actually wants to create for himself a people on the earth who embody the same spirit as Christ, who embody the spirit of Christ. We use the term Christian because we're supposed to be people whose lives embody the spirit of Christ. And you notice in verse 8, if you look at verse 8, if you've got your Bible open, if you don't, you're just going to have to believe me that it says this. You should bring your Bible. Uh, it doesn't say, you will witness for me. Verse 8 does not say, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you know, he will give you power and you will witness for me. He says, you will be my witnesses. There's an actual embodiment of that spirit that we're called to in being his witnesses. The Holy Spirit actually changes us to be like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is doing the work of, in many sense, multiplying the spirit of Christ throughout the earth. Through us. When he puts the spirit on you, that same spirit, the spirit of Christ, is in you as you go through the earth. This comes as a result of prayer. Ask. He gives, the Father gives the Holy Spirit to those who asked. Couldn't help myself on this, so we're going for it, okay? As I think about this spirit coming upon us for this mission, I couldn't help but think about Captain America, okay? Some of you might need a little update, okay? So I'm going to bring you up to speed if you're not familiar with the Marvel Universe. But there is Steve Rogers, okay? Skinny little dude who wants to be in the army. And they just can't figure out what to do with this guy because he's just he's kind of scrawny and useless as a soldier. But they've got a program going where they've got the super soldier serum, okay? And they're looking for somebody to test the super soldier serum on. And when they put the super, they, they look at Steve Rogers and they start to go, I think this guy's a fit. He's a candidate. Okay, and the reason he was a candidate was because they're like, he's got a good heart. And this super soldier serum, it's going to not just make him ripped and huge and almost like indestructible, but it's actually going to pronounce those characteristics within him. And so if we have somebody who's like a hardcore narcissist, we don't want to put the super soldier serum in the narcissist. We want to put the super soldier serum in the guy with a good heart. Because it's not only going to make him ripped, it's going to make those good characteristics more manifest in his life. Now the place where this illustration breaks down is we have to go back to the Bible and recognize all have sinned. So none of us are like, hey, I've got the good heart, God. <laughs> you know, like we have to come 
and, and we, get, we get cleansed by the blood of Jesus. There's forgiveness of sins. And then the Holy Spirit does the work of what we say, big theological word, sanctification, which basically means make us better. Make us more like Jesus. But that, that super soldier serum that Chris Rogers had put in him was because there was a mission that needed to be accomplished. And this, this, this was, I heard this from a youth group game actually this weekend. This super skinny dude went and fought a bunch of Nazis with a Frisbee and, uh, and he crushed them, you know. But it was because, because he had the super soldier serum poured into him. And see, the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit wants to do when he comes into your life, I'll say this, despite the fact that we have all sinned, the reason that's even a topic of conversation is because each of us was created for a greater purpose. Each person who walks the face of the earth bears the image of God. That's a, that's a biblical idea. And so there's this God-likeness in all the people we meet. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon, the Holy Spirit's job is to actually pronounce that God-like character within us. So we become the message, not just speak the message. I've been reading from a man named E.M. Bounds who wrote a lot on prayer. And he talks about this place that we come into of prayer through the Spirit. He says it's not just submission, it's actually conformity. Say it again. This place of prayer in the Spirit, it's not just submission, it's conformity. In other words, it's not just this place where we, we just say, hey, whatever, Lord, your, your will be done. It's actually this place where He wants to shape us so much into being like Jesus that it's as though we could pray with him, our will be done. My desire starts to match his desire. What's in my heart starts to actually reflect what's in his heart. That is not something we do on our own. This is the work of the Holy Spirit within us. To make what matters to God matter to us. Romans 8 puts it this way, that he is conforming us into the image of his son. That is what the work of the Spirit is. Make us more like Jesus. So we ask. Pour out your Spirit, Father. Pour out your Spirit, Father. Pour out your Spirit upon me, upon your church, because there's almost 400,000 people in this city who need an encounter with Jesus through his church. Pour out your spirit. The stuff we read in the scriptures is, yes, it's a whole worldview to see the world through, but there's also an experience of the spirit that it invites us into. And I want us to catch one other thing. So this is the last, last thing. You know, preachers say that, and it takes a little while to, to say it. It's going to take me 10 minutes to say this last thing probably, okay? So just buckle up. It says, you will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Not just what we will be, but where we will go. 
to the ends of the earth. Remember, for God so loved the world. That's the, that's the, the you know, most well-known scripture verse out there. It starts with, for God so loved the world. His heart is for the whole world. When we start to actually let his spirit come in us, we, we wait, we ask, right? Start to embody. Then there is, this was the one I told you was a long title, missional impulse and intercession. We'll talk about what that means. There is this thing that happens when the spirit comes into you and upon your life, you begin to burn with a sense of mission. There's a work to be done. There's people to be reached. There is a world that needs to know this amazing God. That's what it means to be a witness. It doesn't mean to just go around trying to convince everybody. It means that actually your life starts to look like him, that people actually want to know what is that. The mission is to stand in the world as those people. I was so just blessed by what Kelly shared at the transition moment after we were singing, right? There's this sense in which what we're doing here in this room with the flags and the kids running around and, and singing these songs is we're actually reflecting on some level here in this room what heaven's like when we come together. That's what we're trying to do. And there's a sense in which when we go out from here, our job remains the same. Reflect what heaven's like, which is reflect Jesus. Everywhere Jesus went, he said, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And isn't it interesting that in the middle of what Telsey read to us this morning, the disciples, even after he's risen from the dead, are still asking, Lord, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Is this what's happening now? And, and he doesn't answer it. His answer is, you know you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and given power and be my witnesses through Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. In other words, that same spirit that I was carrying when I went around saying, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Now it's on you, and I want you to go into all the earth and spread it. Spread it. Are you with me? Embody the same spirit. When we talk about this mission, we can use this word that has a bit of a bad rap these days. It's called, it's called evangelism. It's going out and actually preaching the good news of the kingdom. But I'll say to you, the, the work of evangelism is less about convincing and more about witnessing. And specifically, like we looked at today, being a witness. So that our life becomes the message, right? That's what we're going on and on about. And this thing of discipleship that we talk about a lot is not the work of forcing people to become like us. Discipleship is becoming like Jesus by beholding Jesus. So if you're in a, in, a, in a role somehow in a relationship where you're trying to disciple somebody, your job is be like, look at Jesus. No, look at Jesus. You know, we just keep on looking at Jesus. Come over here and look at Jesus with me. Come and see, like Kelly said when she invited out to the, the worship thing tonight. Come and see him. 
So we're not just spreading a message, we're actually spreading the Spirit of Christ throughout the world. And here's where I, I'm kind of landing on this thing. I said to you, missional impulse and intercession, right? One of the things that the Spirit does, someone said teaches, Romans 8.26 says this, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. There's this sense that, that, that when you start to pray, you receive the Holy Spirit. But as you receive the Holy Spirit, he teaches you what to pray. He puts a burden on your heart. And you can almost think about it like this. I'm actually going to just erase this. Thank you, Charlotte, for all your hard work here. And think about this, okay? I'm going to write pray. For time's sake, I'll just say H-S, Holy Spirit, and burden. Okay? Here's how it works. You could go either way with this. We can go this way. You pray because he says ask, right? Gives you the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit gives you a burden. Burden causes you to pray. And you've got this cycle that just happens. That's what this relationship with the Spirit is like. Pray, Holy Spirit, come in. Burden, pray, Holy Spirit. You know, there's just this, this, this swirl that essentially happens in your life where you carry that thing. He's teaching you not just what to pray but how to pray. He's putting his heart upon your heart. And, and I told you guys this year, I'm asking the Lord, teach me how to pray. And I'm welcoming you to say, Lord, teach me how to pray. That we might be a people who are empowered by the Spirit. All that stuff that we wrote down, including the stuff I erased. And, and that we would actually become a people who through this life of prayer, which you, if you really look closely through the Scriptures, it's a huge part of the life of following Jesus. It's a huge part of what he does. So in this journey of learning how to pray, we're, we're seeking to go, how should we pray? What should we pray, Spirit? And I found myself just recently, I'm doing this. I just said, Father, what's on your heart? And the immediate, it wasn't any delay, just response that I sensed, people. Father, what's on your heart? People. Father, what's on your heart now? People. And, and I know, like, we get, we, get, we get stirred up to pray for things in culture, in politics, in media, in business, in education, in all these things. And those are good things to be praying about and, and, and going to battle, so to speak, for. But he cares about those things in as much as they affect people. That's really what it comes down to. For God so loved the world. And if we start to actually let the Spirit work in our hearts and in our lives, I promise you, you will get a burden for people. You will get a burden for people. You will get a burden for for coworkers, you'll get a burden. For neighbors, you'll get a burden. For family members, you'll get a burden. For people who you maybe just walk past in the store. I don't know how he's going to do it, but if you start to let the heart of God rest in your heart, you will have a burden to pray for people.
the end of what was read by Telsey says that they were standing there. He had said these things and that Jesus was taken up before their very eyes. Right? He ascended to heaven. And we know in the scriptures that it says, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. What is the risen king doing in heaven? What is the resurrected Jesus doing in heaven? Interceding. Hebrews 7.25 says this, Therefore, speaking about Jesus, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus did not raise from the dead, ascend to heaven, and then sit down in his lazy boy and kick his feet up. The scriptures give us a picture that he forever lives to intercede for us. Intercede, that word means to actually stand in the gap. So you got here on one side of you somebody in trouble, somebody uh, sick, somebody trapped in darkness, somebody blinded to the truth, whatever you might say, okay, to this side. And to this side of you, you got Jesus on the throne in heaven. And this is what we get called to do, to stand in a sense between heaven and earth and hold on to those in need here on earth, and hold the hand of him who sits on the throne in heaven and say, hey, Jesus, you need to meet this person. Hey, would you come meet my friend with cancer? Would you come meet my friend who's trapped in darkness, whose eyes have been blinded to the truth? Would you come and meet them, Jesus? Would you reveal yourself to them? Would you open their blind eyes that they might see your beauty and your goodness, that the world might know how beautiful and wonderful and faithful and constant and gracious and kind and patient and generous and merciful you are? Would they come to your feet with us and cry, holy, holy, holy? So this whole thing of becoming like Jesus, it happens by the Spirit, it happens by looking at Jesus. And when we look at Jesus, what he's doing today, he's interceding. He lives forever to intercede for us, to intercede for people. You get God's heart, you get a heart for people, to pray for people. We ask, we wait, he gives the Spirit, we embody it. And we get a missional impulse and intercession put in our hearts. So the invitation still stands. Let's be a people of prayer. People of his word who pray according to his will, who ask for his spirit to rest upon us. That our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, that our city might have an encounter with Jesus. Amen? Can we stand and pray together? And I'll extend the invitation right now. If you want to join us, we're still doing the early morning thing. Uh, Monday mornings, 6 to 7 a.m., praying in the hospitality room. Wednesday mornings, there's a Zoom link to pray with us from 7 to 7.30 a.m. If you want that Zoom link, email office at lifetree.ca, and we'll get you set up with it. And we will keep you posted as more times to pray together emerge. Let's just, let's just posture like we're going to receive a gift. He said he likes to give us a gift.
So, Father, you said ask. So here we are. And we asked, give us the Holy Spirit. Fill us with your Spirit. That same Spirit that loves the world. That does not condemn the world, does not hate the world, loves the world. Give us your spirit. Make us a people of prayer, a people of communion and fellowship with you. That we might be strengthened to be your witnesses in Victoria, Vancouver Island, and the ends of the earth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Lifetree Church Sermon of the Week. At Lifetree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Lifetree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.